We're talking today about the rush. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh Uh-oh. Today's Super Bowl Sunday. Uh Uh-oh. No, I kid. I am going to be talking about that. Little sporting event that takes place annually, and we have a special service to talk about that and uh, derive a few spiritual principles from those things. And today it is the fact that the 49ers and the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. Uh, Didn't we just do this four years ago? 49ers and Chiefs were in the Super Bowl four years ago. I preached a message called 7 times 7 equals 49. Clearly 49 was in the title. Thus it seemed to be the prediction. Although I did provide a caveat that I was on a 7-1 streak and a seven in a row at that time, and that uh, I was really proud of that, and that pride goeth before destruction. And I think I'm one and two since then, so who knows what'll happen today. But uh, no, 49ers and Chiefs were not my pick. If I had my pick, I would have the Lions to be in the Super Bowl. I have a lot of material on lions. If I wanted them to win, I would talk about the lion of the tribe of Judah. And if I wanted them to lose, I was going to talk about the lions having their mouths shut by the angel of the Lord. A lot of good material on lions. But alas, we have here the 49ers and the Chiefs. But man, the Lions, just that. And honestly, I don't think I'll get the, I think Jesus will come back before the Lions ever do get a chance to, I'm sorry to all my Detroit brothers and sisters, just have that worry. And so I wanted to get it all. In fact, you know what? Matter of fact, just let's go to the book of Daniel. We're going to talk about Lions. No, again, I I kid. The... uh, The Lions, what a name. What a strong name for a football team. Lions. And and it's fierce. It's ferocious. You you know when somebody calls themselves the Lion that they mean business. Because uh, we're scared of Lions. And if you say that you're not scared of a Lion, then you, in fact, are Lion. And... uh, (laughs) Oh, yeah. There's more where that came from. Just <laughs> buckle your seatbelt. It, um, it is a fierce name. It is a ferocious name. And it's chosen on purpose. It, it's meant to let you know they are the kings of that particular jungle, that particular football stadium. And, and so they call themselves Lions. Detroit, it's not just the NFL that names their teams after this manner, but uh, all professional sports teams, all sports teams, they, they, they search far and wide to try to pick a good name that'll strike fear in the hearts of their opponents. Detroit's baseball team is uh, the Detroit Tigers. It's very similar to the Lions. Uh, even our beloved Cincinnati Bengals are named after the, after the who day? After the Bengal Tigers. And so it's just the way that it goes. Chicago named their football team the Bears. They named their basketball team the Bulls. Just rough, ferocious, strong. Now, they did name their, one of their major league baseball teams the Cubs, which not quite as intimidating, but that may be why it took them 100-plus years to win the World Series. I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm no sports scientist, but it just, it just stands to reason. But this is really the way that it goes. And, and there are different factors that go into how cities choose their nicknames. Really, that's what those are. Those are nicknames. The name of the team is actually where it's from, whether it's the city, whether it's the state, or even the nickname of the state. For instance, in the NBA, the Golden State Warriors, uh, is, it's the nickname of the state of California. And so there are different factors that, that play a role. Probably the state of Minnesota is a good analogy. 
they have four, uh, three major league uh, teams of the three major leagues. Of course, there's other uh, leagues and whatnot, but, but the NFL team is the Minnesota Vikings, and this is connected to the fact that there's such a, a very large Norwegian population in Minnesota, and that is a very foreboding war machine from hundreds of years ago, and, and uh, that, that's connected to their uh, Nordic heritage. And then, of course, there are the Minnesota Timberwolves, and the Timberwolves are the wolf wildlife of Minnesota. And so there's a little geographical connection to the names of their teams. Even their baseball team, the Minnesota Twins, it's named after the twin cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul. Now, they had a basketball team years ago that was called the Minneapolis Lakers. That made sense because geographically in Minnesota, there were a lot of lakes and are a lot of lakes. But then that team moved to Los Angeles and the nickname stopped making as much sense but, we, but it is what it is, and they are still the Los Angeles Lakers. Not a lot of lakes in Los Angeles, but they're tied back to their place of origin in Minneapolis. That's true also of, of the Utah Jazz. Utah is not known for its jazz. But New Orleans is where Utah originated, the Utah Jazz team. Uh, originated in New Orleans. So it was the New Orleans Jazz and they relocated to Utah and they kept the nickname Jazz. Same with the Los Angeles Clippers used to be in San Diego. San Diego had a lot of Clippers right there in the harbor, but, but uh, they moved to Los Angeles, not, not very far from San Diego, but not quite as known for this. And this, was just, this is just something that they do. They pick ferocious names, even mythological ferocious names, the Tennessee Titans. They have names that are, that are uh, connected to something that will strike fear, or they might have a name that strikes some fear but also has connection to the locale, such as the, such as the Minnesota Timberwolves. And, and then there are, they, they, they want to strike fear in the opponent's heart, so they'll... They'll even name things after the weather patterns of those particular regions. This is why we call it Oklahoma City Thunder. Anybody ever driven through a tornado in Oklahoma? Oklahoma City Thunder or uh, Brother Ethan, Miami Heat. Been there before. Yes, Miami Heat. Their college team is the Miami Hurricanes. And so they, 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 a, lot of different, a lot of different things that go into this. Sometimes it's connected to industry that is in the area. For instance, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, yeah, and, and I know, I know. Boo day, boo day, yeah, I know. And, uh, and I know that it's, it's commonly thought here in our city that that's spelled S-T-E-A-L-E-R-S, but it's, it's actually referring to the steel industry that is in Pittsburgh and and this is true also of the Green Bay Packers, the Green Bay Packers, uh, connected to their packing industry. And uh, this is true of the Orlando Magic. It's connected to Disney World. It's true of the Houston Rockets, NASA's right down the street. And the Houston Astros also kind of cashed in on that, that geographical uniqueness. And on and on it goes. Now, I will say that a lot of the good nicknames have already been taken up. So they have resorted to just like, I guess, honestly, I don't know if it's like the first thing they see. Like, okay, close your eyes, open them, and I saw white socks. That's what we're going to name the team. That's it. Chicago White Sox. But apparently that was a thing. Do you know the Cincinnati Reds were actually first the Cincinnati Red stockings? We were the first Major League Baseball team professional baseball team was right here in Cincinnati and it was the Cincinnati Red Stockings and they decided fortunately to get away from that and went to the Cincinnati Reds and then during the 1950s when there was a, a, a red scare a communist scare and Reds had a negative connotation they switched it from Reds to Red Legs so the Cincinnati Red Legs and then they went back to Cincinnati Reds and we're grateful for that we're grateful for that but, but even like, like some of them are just random articles of clothing like the New York Knickerbockers. 
just not even sure. Now, now they say New York Knicks, but what's a Nick? It's just like the Knickerbockers. We're just going to, it's just short for Knickerbockers. And I mean, I don't know, what's next, you know? The Omaha overalls, the, the, the Baton Rouge bow ties, the Birmingham bell bottoms, the, the Syracuse suspenders. I mean, we are just running out of names here and we're just trying to figure out what we're going to do. And, and yet, and yet some of them are connected even back to the history of a particular geography. So for instance, the NBA team of Philadelphia is the Philadelphia 76ers. It's connected to the American Revolution, the signing of the Declaration of Independence, 1776. So their team is called the Philadelphia 76ers. The college team in Tennessee is called the Tennessee Volunteers. It's called the Volunteers because they, in the War of 1812, they had an unusual amount of volunteers who volunteered to go to war. And by 1846, in the Mexican-American War, they were asked to provide 2,800 volunteers for the, for the, uh, for the Mexican-American War in 1846, and they supplied 30,000 volunteers. And it sealed the deal. They became known as the Volunteer State. Oklahoma, their university is called the Sooners. The Sooners, the Oklahoma Sooners. That's the name of their football team. That's the name of their basketball team, the Sooners. And... The reason is because when Oklahoma became open for, for uh, territorializing, they would actually, they would actually allow people to, to claim land through land claims races and land runs, and they would literally start it with the firing of a pistol, and folks would run and settle land. And those who jumped the gun got off the starting block sooner than the rest, and that's, that's where they get their names, the Oklahoma Sooners. And now you know the rest of the story. <laughs> and so this is the case. And with the team that's playing today, uh, the 49ers, this is where they get their name. It's connected to a time and a place in history. Now, I'm going to talk probably more about the 49ers than I will the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, Chiefs, the, uh, pardon me, whoa. Ah, I beg your pardon. I tell you, this anointing starts flowing and the truth just starts. I mean, it just. I, listen, I, in all honesty, I, I am totally over it. I'm over it. I don't, I don't think at all that the NFL favors the Chiefs. I don't think that. No, 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 no. No, it's all fair and square. It's all above board, and uh, it sure is. And I, 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 listen, I'm not saying they're pulling for Kansas City. I'm just uh, wondering if maybe the refs went to grade school in Kansas City. I'm just wondering if maybe they have Patrick Mahomes uh, pictures with autographs in their offices. I don't know. I just, it just makes me wonder sometimes. So I'm not going to focus so much on them. I'm going to focus on the team that... Uh, you know, could maybe beat, well, who has become our rival? When Tom Brady left, I thought, I don't have to, I don't have to dislike anybody in the NFL anymore. <laughs> and then here come the Kansas City Chiefs trying to, trying to bully our Bengals, and I, all of a sudden, I got a new nemesis. <laughs> and so, and somebody said, you know, you're going to have to mention something about uh, Taylor Swift being a part of these games. <laughs> and I... <laughs> And I said, you know, I said, you know what? I said, you're right. I am going to have to mention it. So consider it mentioned. Now, <laughs> now back to, back to the message. Listen, we're not going to let what's going on in the stands and the box suites distract us from the battle that's going on the field. The devil thinks he's swift. No, 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 no. We're just going to stay focused. We're going to stay focused. We're going to stay focused. In 1848, James Marshall was trying to dig wells and prepare wells. And, and he noticed something down underneath the water. And it was, it was gold flakes. And they were, they were just shimmering in, underneath the water. And he gathered them together and took them to the commissioner of that particular project, John Sutter, 
And he said, I think this is gold. It's got the color of gold, and I, 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 it, I hope it's not fool's gold. And they tested it and, and were able to determine it was, in fact, gold in California, in what would now be called Sacramento. And they tried to keep it a secret, but they couldn't keep it a secret somehow. I don't know how, it was just the two of them. But somehow, word started spreading. And people in San Francisco got wind that there is gold in Sacramento. There were 600 people in San Francisco in 1848. And those San Franciscans, just a few of them, went down to where they heard there was gold and they started doing their own prospecting, their own mining, their own digging. And they found some gold as well. They took it back to San Francisco and said, we found gold in Sacramento. In 1848, there were 600 people living in San Francisco. In 1850, two years later, there were 30,000 people. That became a significant moment in American history because it was known as the gold rush. And people rushed to that gold from all over America and from all over the world. And, and they, they dropped everything they had. They stopped doing whatever they were doing. They left businesses. They boarded up homes. They, 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 some of them would leave their families and, and hope that their families would keep the business going in case this gold thing didn't work out. And here's the thing. It didn't work out for a lot of people. In fact, the folks that made the most money on that particular excursion were those who were taking advantage of the amounts of people that were coming to the area as opposed to those who were actually getting gold. The folks who made the most money were those who created hotels for the people to stay in, those who created restaurants for the people to eat in. One particular man uh, realized that the miners were tearing up their pants. Their, their pants were wearing out in their knees, and, uh, and he said they need some stronger, sturdier fabric. And so he created a, a fabric known as denim, uh, and uh, we would call them jeans, and and he began to sell them, and he made a lot of money. His name was Levi, and his last name was Strauss. And that's where he began to make his fortune selling to those who were part of what has become known as the gold rush. It was a rush for gold. But the, the idea of getting rich, the hopes of getting rich, was, was dashed. It was, it was something that, that was uh, that not... not not what they expected it to be for the vast majority. There were a lot of people who did find gold. There were a lot of people who, who spent that money. And even if they found gold, oftentimes they would spend it in the casinos, spend it in the, in the taverns before they could even get it back home to, to live off of it and to find good use for it. And so it was, a, it was a really foolhardy effort, this gold rush. This idea of selling all, to lay claim to this idea of stepping away from what you have known and into a prosperous future. It was a tantalizing idea. It was a tempting thing and people fell for it and people went for it and it changed California completely. It, it absolutely uh, uh, sped California into statehood. They went from being just a possession of America into the state of California in the United States of America by 1850 in just two years time. And it, it happened because President James K. Polk in 1848 at the end said before Congress, most people didn't even believe there was gold, but the president stood up, President Polk, and said, we have confirmed there is gold in California. And people left everything they knew and they went looking for the gold. It was a rush for gold. It was a rush of people for riches. They would take the most popular route of travel was to travel along the Oregon and California trails. 
The Oregon Trail was established by Trailblazers, which is where Portland named their basketball team, Trailblazers. And they would travel the Oregon Trail and then they'd take the California Trail down to where the gold was and they would put the sickle in the ground. There were hydraulic inventions that were made to create uh, engines that would help them mine more efficiently and quick, more quickly for gold. The pan mining was, was something that, that was very long and laborious. And so they would go for, they, they would develop inventions. And these inventions were actually the most innovative and the most lucrative of, of any gold they were able to find. But there were about $2 billion worth of gold extracted from the area of San Francisco, Sacramento, and all through California during that time. And these people in 1849 who rushed for gold became known as 49ers. And that's where the name 49ers comes from in, as it relates to San Francisco. And this is a cautionary tale. They would even, they would even sail out of New England into the Atlantic Ocean and would travel down beneath South America and turn at Cape Horn, come up on the other side of the Pacific Ocean and land at San Francisco. Or they would take that same route, but they would go to Panama, take a steamship to Panama, and they would stop there and go over land, get on another steamship and take the rest of the route, the, the rest of the way. It would take four to six months to travel by ship to travel by caravan, to travel by foot, to travel by wagon, all of these various ways across the Oregon Trail was met with hardship and brutal weather and disease and sickness and many people died. There were many widows. The wild, wild west is called that because it was an open frontier. There was no law and order. People were shooting and killing over the findings they had from the gold. But that didn't matter to anybody. That was just about selling everything you have. And they, America developed and, and parts of the world developed what was, came to be known as gold fever. And we do that sometimes. We do that sometimes. We see something shiny and we go for it. We see something tempting, something that promises us that it can make us rich. And it can make us rich quick. But I want you to know today, I've not come to talk to you about the gold that the world can offer. And I've not come to talk to you about some kind of thing that you can tap into a get-rich-quick scheme. I've come to talk to you about the real riches. There are certain things that are worth selling everything you have to get. There are certain things that are worth departing from everything you've ever known to go after. The Lord said to Abraham, get thee out of thy father's house and leave thy father's kindred. Leave behind everything you have ever known and go look for a city that hath foundations, a city that I have prepared for you. I want you to know that the gold we're talking about today is not the gold in them there hills. The gold that I'm talking about today is a gold, hallelujah, that is established by God it's rich, it's rare, it's precious, and there is, there is no money on this earth that can buy it. The Bible said, who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies. The Bible said we are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold and the precious metals of this earth but we are redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I can remember when Peter and John were walking into the temple and the Bible says there was a lame man at that temple who was laid there daily at the gate called Beautiful. And he would sit there and ask alms of the people that were walking by. But on this day, he was going to meet a different kind of people. He wasn't going to meet a people who had put their trust in riches. He wasn't going to meet somebody who had believed the lies of the enemy. That you can somehow find peace and joy and satisfaction in this world. We know that you can't find peace, joy, and satisfaction in this world. It shocks people when wealthy individuals commit suicide. It shocks people 
When wealthy individuals are depressed and burned out and broken down because they have believed that you can find happiness in money, that you can find joy in gold, but there's no reason to rush for the gold of this world. It'll leave you sick. It'll leave you destitute. It'll leave you despairing and despondent. But when you fix your eyes on a heavenly prize, you can be like Peter and John who looked at that lame man and said, you ask for silver and gold, but silver and gold have I none. Hallelujah. I want to pause right there for just a moment because I wonder what would have happened if they had had silver and gold. What if they were like us and they had a little extra money in their pocket? I wonder if it would have been easy just to throw a couple twenties down at the man and kept walking our way so it didn't bother us anymore. I wonder if it'd been easy just to get your spare change that you, that you picked up from the drive-through earlier in the day, throw it in the little tin cup and keep on walking. But God didn't provide them with silver and gold. Sometimes God doesn't provide us with the materialistic because he wants to provide us with the miraculous. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes God doesn't provide us with the materialistic because he wants to provide us with the miraculous. Now, I'm going to tell you that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I'm going to tell you that all the earth is his and the fullness thereof. I'm going to tell you that he can open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings upon you that you will not have room enough to receive. If he hasn't done that yet, then you can just trust that he's going to provide some other way. Sometimes God wants to show you there's a coin in the fish's mouth. Sometimes God wants to show you you don't need to extract gold from the mountains of this earth until you understand the depth of the riches of the gold of God. Hallelujah. The good and the perfect gifts come down from the Father of lights. Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name, hallelujah. I'm going to tell you what we have. I thank God for every sacrificial offering that the child of God gives to the kingdom of God. And I thank God for every time the Lord reciprocates that with a blessing that is tenfold, a hundredfold, yea, a thousandfold in your favor. But if we don't step into that dimension every time we turn around, you can trust beyond the shadow of a doubt that I have the name of Jesus Christ. And I have the blood of Jesus Christ. And I have the word of Jesus Christ. And I have the spirit of Jesus Christ. I've got everything I need. I said, I've got everything I need. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not going to sell my conscience for the gold of this earth. And I'm not going to sell my soul for the gold of this earth. And I'm not going to sell my values for the gold of this earth. And I'm not going to compromise this truth for the gold of this earth. I've got my eyes on the heavenly prize. There's a different kind of rush happening here. I'm rushing for what really matters. Hallelujah. There is a pearl of great price. And I'll sell everything I have to get it. I'll drop everything I know to get that pearl of great price. It doesn't matter who taught that false doctrine when I see that pearl of great price. You can have that false doctrine. Give me the pearl of great price. It doesn't matter how good that illicit relationship makes you feel. When you find the treasure hidden in the field, you better let go of that illicit relationship and say, I need that treasure that's hidden in the field. I'll sail the continents. I'll travel all the way down to the tip, tip, tip bottom of South America and up the other side to get what God has for me. I want the pearl of great price. 
I want the treasure hidden in the field. You can take this whole world, but you give me Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, 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 don't, don't misunderstand me. You need to hear what I'm telling you. I'm not saying that you don't need certain things that God has provided in terms of provision. Listen, consider the lilies, how they toil not, neither do they spin. Yet Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed as one of these lilies. If God then so clothed the grass of the field, which is today in the field, but tomorrow cast into the oven, how much more shall he clothe you? Take no thought for the morrow. What you shall eat, what you shall drink, what raiment you shall put on, for the Father knoweth, the Father knoweth. I said the Father knoweth. And when the devil lies to you tomorrow and tells you that you're all alone and nobody knows, you hear this word ringing in your ears. The Father knows that you have need of these things. Here's what you do. Don't rush for the gold. Don't get mired down in the rat race. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added, added, added unto you. God is going to take the things you need and he's going to add them to you. All you've got to do is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Hallelujah. That's what I'm rushing for. That's what we sell our possessions to get a hold of. That's what we part, our, part from our opinions for to get a hold of that pearl that is of a great price. The Lord said, this is my kingdom. My kingdom is like that pearl of great price who when the merchant man saw it, he said, that's all that matters to me. Hallelujah. Let me tell you what the goal is, ladies and gentlemen. The goal is to go to heaven. And I'm going to tell you what the goal is, ladies and gentlemen. The goal is to take as many people with you as you can. Hallelujah. You got to ah, feel the Holy Ghost. Listen, I feel like we're at the two-minute warning. I kind of feel like we're at the two-minute warning. I kind of feel like, 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 like the end is near. And I need somebody to understand it's not time to backslide. And it's not time to get complacent or carnal. And it's not time to start backbiting and backstabbing. It's not time to get loosey-goosey with the doctrine. It's not time to get loosey-goosey with your holiness lifestyle. It's time to rush, rush. Rush, rush into what really matters. Come on, it's the, you gotta rush into this thing. Hallelujah. The, the, the Bible, the Bible talks about running this race with patience. The race that is set before us. I want you to know it's time to run this race. I don't know what race you've been running, but, but get, get, all, get on the right track and run this race, this race of seeking God, this race of getting alone with God, this race of extracting the good and the perfect gifts. Yeah, rushing is an important part of the football game. And it's, it's, it's a valuable and, and, and valued part of the football game. And, and, and one of the positions is various rushing. I, I'll talk about, for instance, I'll talk about particularly the rushing yards that the running back partakes of and, and, and adds to, contributes with. The rushing yards. The running back is one of the most unique features of a football team. He's just, he's just in the backfield. He's not the biggest guy on the field most of the time. But he's in the backfield, and, and the quarterback is going to accept the snap. The ball is going to be given to the quarterback from the center. And the quarterback is, has got a, different, a lot of different options. He could throw it to a receiver. He could, he could run it himself. Or he could hand it off or even lob it to the running back. And the running back has a responsibility. Gain yards. And never forget what the goal is. 
The goal is that end zone. The goal is that touchdown. The goal is to get where I'm trying to go. Listen, we need to get away from the gold rush and get into the goal rush. Don't forget what the goal is. The running back has to remember, the running back has to take into consideration some of the, some of the, 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 the extenuating factors of where he is. Is there snow? Is there rain? What's the turf like? Is it natural grass? It is, is it turf? What, what, what am I running on? What, what is the defense doing? Where could the potential holes show up? And it has to, has to act in a split second. There's an, in, there's an internal instinct that is developed. You know how it's developed? Through practice. It's developed through, through exercises. It's developed through the training that the running back goes through. Training that doesn't make a lick of sense if you're just watching somebody go through it. Why why do I have to jump these hurdles? Why do I have to do this strength training? Why do I have to practice such agility? Because there's a goal and you've got to gain yards and gain yards and gain yards until you hit that goal line. Some of you have been walking through training exercises and you don't know why you've got to go through some of the things you go through. Why is it one hurdle after another keeps showing up in my path I don't know all the details but I'll tell you this jump that hurdle it's going to prepare you to get to the goal line I'll tell my God You've got to be agile. You've got to be able to run sideways. You've got to be able to you've got to be able to switch directions. Listen, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And the stutter steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Don't make me, don't make me go Walter Payton on you right here. Man, y'all lucky I don't have my tennis shoes on. I'd be taking off. Come on, we got to get this football. I got to hold on to this football. Ball security is very important. I'm running. I'm running for my life. I said I'm running for my life. I've got to go. I'm going to run to the end. I'm going to run to the end. And I'm taking my family with me. I'm taking my wife with me, my kids with me. I'm taking my grandkids with me. I'm going, I'm going, I'm running, I'm running. When the defense starts encroaching on me, I gotta hold on to this. Listen, if I don't have this, I got nothing. If I drop this, I got nothing. If this goes fumbling into the hands of the adversary, I've got nothing. There's no sense in running if I lose this. This is everything. And I had some good quarterbacks who put it into my chest. They put it into the numbers. They put it right here. And they said, Joe, hold on to it. Hold on to it. I know it gets rough sometimes, but hold on to it. Here I go. Love of money. Offense. Bitterness. Go ahead, Pastor. I'm already wore out. Lord have mercy. No, I'm not. I'm not about done. I said I'm running to the end. I can't stop. I can't slow down. I've got to go. You might get tackled. It's all right. Get up. Gain more yardage. Let me tell you when you lose yardage, when you run back. That's when you lose yardage. You don't lose yardage with forward progress. If you're making forward progress and the enemy's pushing you back, he can push you back 15 yards, but forward progress will put you right where the contact was made.
I've come to tell somebody, make forward progress. I don't care how far back he pushes you. Don't let him lie to you and tell you you've got to make it all up again. No, no, no. God knows where the ball stood. God knows where the contact was made. I'm running. I got my football in hand. I got to set it down. First down, repentance. Woo. Repentance is my first down. Second down, second down in the water. Down just a little bit deeper. Step into the waters of his love. Baptized by immersion in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. Third down, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Oh, I wish I could find a witness in the house. You know what happens then? Here's, oh, I, y'all, I'm going to have to shout. When I get to third down, first down, repentance, second down, baptism in Jesus' name, third down, infilling of the Holy Ghost. When I get to the third down, I convert on third down. Brother Duvall, it's a third down conversion. And what happens at the third down conversion? I get a brand new set of downs. What are you doing? I'm gaining more yardage. I'm getting closer to the goal. I'm running for my life. I'm not going to be deceived. I refuse to be deceived. I don't care if it's lions. I don't care if it's bears. I don't care if it's buccaneers. I don't care if it's Vikings. I don't care if it's chiefs. I don't care if it's the Browns, the Steelers, or the Ravens. Lord have mercy. I'm going to run through a troop. Leap over a wall. God is on my side. Because there are streets of gold. There are walls of jasper. There are gates of pearl. There's a treasure hidden in the field. There is a pearl of great price. Sometimes I catch little glimpses of it. Sometimes I'll be sitting with my family. My little granddaughter will be singing, Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. And I catch a little glimpse of the end zone. That's what it is right there. I get back on the field. Hallelujah. Listen, if you have fumbled the ball, if you have fumbled the Bible, if you made a wreck of this thing, the game is not over. Go, go. You might have to sit on this bench. And live in frustration for what you just experienced and what happened to you and who knocked you down and what you, you remember. Oh, if I'd have just done this, I didn't run the play right and I didn't. And I know where I messed up. I know where I messed up. I know where it happened. Just, just, it's all right. It's all right. Game's not over. You know what's happening while you're on the bench? Defense. I'm going to tell you who our defense is. The Lord is my refuge. The Lord is my fortress. The Lord is my shelter. Hallelujah. He has put a hedge all about me. Jesus, be a fence all about me every day. I'm going to tell you, if you let the Lord fight your battles, he'll get the ball back for you. I said he will get the ball back for you. Sometimes, sometimes you wonder, what in the world is the quarterback thinking? What are the play callers thinking? Sometimes you, they'll be like, it'll be like third and 10, second and 10, and they're handing it off to the running back. And you're like, no, don't do that. Throw it. Why are you going to hand it off? You know what they're doing? They are... They are doing what they call getting the running game going. Why? Because they're going to wear down the defense. They're going to hand the ball to the running back. And the running back is going to run into the 
beat up that defense. He may get, he may pick up one yard, but he's going to run that ball into the teeth of that defense. And he's going to make them pay every time. You know, at the end of a football game, they say that the offensive defensive line clash and the running back clash, all of that, that constant confrontation, physical confrontation, they say that it's equivalent of a car collision at the end of each game. It's a, it is a brutal warfare that's happening. And that quarterback hands that ball off to the running back and the running back runs into the teeth of that defense. And, and, and sometimes you're like, man, why didn't you go that way? Why didn't you go? I mean, I, I, I'm no, I mean, I'm not Walter Payton. I know I looked like it just a few moments ago. I, I mean, don't let that fool you. Don't let that fool you. I know I look like Barry Sanders up here, but I promise you, I'm not quite as good as I look like I am up here doing that. But, but I'm wondering why they're wearing the defense down. And let me tell you something. You may not think that morning devotion is accomplishing much, but that little two yards you're picking up is wearing the defense down. You may not think that noon prayer is very significant. You may not think that tithing on a regular basis is very significant. You may not think sending that encouraging word is very significant. You may not think being willing and available to serve in the church is very significant. But I promise you, you keep running that. Pick up those two yards here and those four yards there. You're wearing the devil out. He doesn't know what to do with you. You're wearing him out. You're getting closer, 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 closer. Woo! I love the sevens of football. I do. I love that when there's a touchdown, that's six. That's what man can do. That's the number of man. But when you get that field goal, that just completes it. Seven. And it's almost the way it is with God. I do what I can do. It's six days of labor, but there's a seventh day of rest. There's six years of labor, but there's a seventh year of rest. Yes, seven times seven does equal 49. There's 49 days, but then there's a 50th day of Pentecost. Yeah, there are 49 years, but there's a 50th year of Jubilee. You hear what I'm to do? What you can do? Run, run, rush, 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 run, and be not weary. Walk and not faint. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. If you run this way and get cut off, don't quit. Run this way. Be agile on your feet. Move back and forth as you need to. But make forward progress. If they knock you down or knock you back, make forward progress. Somebody lift up your hands right now. Come on, lift up your hands right now. Ah, hallelujah. 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 You. Come on, stand with me right now. Brother Desmond Jr., could you come here? Man? God's got his hand on your life. God's going to put this in the numbers right here. He's going to put this in your hands. Go ahead and hold on to it. Hallelujah, don't ever let it go. It's the pearl of great price. It's the treasure that's hidden in the field. Sell everything you have for it. Drop everything for it. Give God everything you have. He's got something more precious for you than what your mind can imagine. I need somebody who believes that to lift up your hands and your voice. Come on, somebody. What you've been holding on to, it's not worth it. Sell it all. Sail around the world. Get the real gold. Not the fool's gold. Not the false gold. But the pearl. The treasure. Rush for it. Rush for it. Put your feet on the ground and run. Run into the teeth of whatever you're facing. Run. Run with a reckless abandon. Put your helmet of salvation on. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put on your shoulder pads. Guard yourself with truth and run.
Don't look back. Don't run back. The more ferocious they are, the more ferocious the enemy is. Run. And you're going to find a hole. I said, you're going to find a hole. When you hit that hole, there has to be a major, massive acceleration. You've got to be able to turn those jets on now. You might be stutter stepping back here, but when you find that hole, hit it and get it and go. You might be trying to find your footing, but when you see that opening, I said, when you see that opening, I don't care how big it looks, how big they look, how mad, how mean, how rough, how tough. Go, 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 run on and see what the end is going to be. Brother Enos, we saw Brother Mickey in Norway. He was in Austria. Coming to the church for the first time, Brother Enos saw a young man in need of a friend. Brother Enos was just in the backfield looking for the opening. There it is. Go. Ten years ago, but today he's serving the Lord and we saw him in Norway. Now, the 49ers have Brock Purdy. We got Brother Mark Purdy. And right now, Brother Mark Purdy has some running backs and wide receivers. Brother Mark Purdy has some defensive ends that he's training in the goodness of God and the word of the Lord. He and his team in the children's ministry department. He's putting that ball in their hands. He's putting that Bible in their heart. He sees an opening. There it is. Boom. Go. Get it. I don't care how rainy it is. The goal line didn't change. Don't care how, I don't care how snowy it is. The goal line didn't change. I don't care what the score is. The goal didn't change. The goal is still to go to heaven and take as many with you as you can. Come on, somebody, lift up your hands unto the Lord. I, I, I need some people. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost here. You know what's happening right now? This is a huddle. This is a huddle. Come on, just lean in here with me. Because when we walk out of this place, we're gonna run into the teeth of some Vikings and lions and titans and dolphins and bears and eagles and falcons. We're gonna run into some rams, chargers, browns and ravens. And they're gonna try to stop us from reaching the end. But we're not gonna be stopped. Hallelujah, I know what the goal is and I know what the real gold is. And that's what I'm rushing for. When I wake up in the morning, till I lay my head to rest, I'm rushing, rushing, running this race with patience. I want somebody to come forward right now and just say, God, I need my, I need my eyes aligned. I need to see this field again. I need to see what this means, Lord. I need to see what this means again, Lord. Shaya la la shaya. I gotta see what this is all about again, Lord. Somewhere I got off the I got off the track. Somewhere I got off track. You know what? You know what? Flag on the play. I'm calling this thing to a stop right now. Stop. Stop playing for just a moment. Time out. 
need to push pause and stop rushing for the wrong stuff. Get your eyes on the prize again. Say, God wants me to have peace. God wants me to have joy. God wants my family to be harmonious. God wants my life to be full. Stop. Time out. Come on, step into what God is trying to do into your life. Step into what God is trying to do in your life. I have a, admittedly, I have a passion this morning. It's because I've seen so many people run for the wrong gold, only to die and get weary. Their marriage falls apart, their life falls apart, their mind breaks, their spirit falters. But I, but I know that when you, when you get your eyes on what really matters and you search for that pearl of great price, there's a holy wind of heaven that hits your back, sustains you and refreshes you. Hallelujah. Come on, I want somebody right now to step into what the Lord is doing in this house. Come on, uplifted hands. Cry out to him. 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 <laughs> yes. Ah, that's it. That's it. That's it. The Lord's wanting to do something right now. The Lord's wanting to do something right now in your life. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. All is at rest. Oh, hallelujah, yes. This is my story. This is my song.